Hello, welcome to Talking Usework. My name is Rui Branco and together with Anita Silva, we bring you a podcast where we interview usework experts and practitioners that have a say when it comes to innovation in usework, either because they are using creative methods to empower young people, researching on use trends, or responsible for use policies at international level. Like a shot of inspiration, all of our guests have a unique point of view about how can news workers shake up, upgrade, and innovate on their daily work. Hello, lovely people. It's very nice to be back, and today we talked with Niels Floor. He's the author um, of the concept of learning experience design. Now, he's um, a designer by trade, But learning experience design is not about drawing or sketching. It's about how do you create things. In this case, how do you create a learning experience for others? And this might be a session, a youth exchange, a training. It might be a space, a learning environment. How do you create it? Or in other words, how do you design it? Thinking of all the parts of it, the activities you're going to do, the questions you're going to put, the music you're going to play, the space you are going to organize. So this is learning experience design. It's a tool to help educators create better learning experiences that are more um, centered in the learners, in the people that you are working with and working for. So Niels uh, explained us um, a few things about learning experience design and gave a few pointers, very good tips for educators in our field and youth workers. He said something that I found very interesting after the talk. He said, one of the most central things about learning experience design is empathizing with the learner. And youth workers have this in abundance. This was his words. And I, I thought this was so true. Um, what he also said is, with that empathy, what we have to do is move from good intentions to good designs, meaning better learning experiences that are not just a collage, an intelligent collage of previous activities that we've seen or done ourselves. So this is a very exciting conversation. I'm very passionate about this topic. I know that Rui is also very passionate about learning. So stay with us and let's talk some youth work. Hi, everyone. Good to be back. I'm here with Niels, Flor and Rui. Hi, Niels. Hi, Anita and hi, Rui. Rui. Hi, Anita. Hi, Niels. (laughs) <laughs> so it's been kind of uh, what is it for a year yeah. maybe more yeah we stopped for a minute uh, a, long minute. <laughs> a very long minute a very long minute uh, to prioritize I think mental health and well-being in my case at least and give space for other things who is pursuing new learning journeys very exciting ones yeah and um And so today we are talking about learning and um, something called learning experience design. And with us, we have Niels Floor, who is the author um, and I think a big evangelist of this of this concept in both uh, more the corporate world, private sector, but also in education. And uh, he was kind enough to accept our invitation to be with us here today. We're very excited uh, to have this conversation. So with no further ado, uh, Niels, I wanted to ask you what's your background 
Um, and how was learning experience design born as a concept? Well, uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, happy to be here. And um, well, uh, let me give you some background on how I started. I, so I'm a designer by trade. Uh, first, I studied graphic design and then I studied interaction design. And I started working um, at the company that I founded, uh, Shapers, uh, already in 2001, designing all sorts of interactive projects. And um, those ranged from, from the entertainment industry uh, to um, uh, more serious applications, also some learning applications. Mm. So there were, uh, and advertising as well. So it was quite diverse. But I was uh, asked to um, start teaching at a Dutch university, which I never envisioned for myself, but it was a really great match. I felt at home uh, as a teacher, working with students, trying to, to, to support them in different ways. But at the same time, um, after some years, I felt that my perspective as a designer was quite different from the perspective of educators, uh, at least uh, the ones that I knew. So I thought there is something interesting in the overlap between my, my world of design and the world of learning. And I had this, um, uh, in a way, a simple thought about how we learn, which is we learn from our experiences, whether that's a formal school experience being taught by a teacher or it's from reading a book. It, it cannot. You also learn from basically from any experience. It can be a, a, a social experience with friends, or just a spontaneous encounter with someone, or traveling the world. You know, there there are so many ways to learn. So I thought, if we learn from what we experience, why not design the experiences we learn from? I was already designing user experiences, uh, game experiences. So I was already used to thinking in a certain way um, in, in how, how you design an experience where people um, get to a certain point, a certain outcome that is desirable. So I put those together and I thought, well, that's learning experience design. And that, this was back in 2007 and I asked Google, so, uh, learning experience. I must be, must be more people doing this. So uh, let's let's find them. But there were exactly zero hits when I searched for learning experience design. It simply didn't exist. So then I knew I had to uh, do a couple of things. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> register some domain names, for instance, uh, <laughs> which I did. But um, also figure it out for myself and that's been uh for the past 15 years the, the the learning journey that i've been on is to to um to develop to apply and to 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 promote learning experience design uh globally that's fantastic um so for the ones who are listening to us and never heard the concept what is learning experience design right now yeah so um Designing experience uh, is, is a concept within itself. There's a field of experience design or the, you, like so you can design user experiences. Um, but learning experience design is really about asking yourself the question, what kind of experience would be the best experience for someone to learn from? And so you think about the overall process, you think about the outcome you want to achieve, 
and you think about what are people going to do, what activities are going to take place. And when they do things, they might need certain uh, resources, or maybe they are playing a game, or maybe they are using uh, other tools. So you you design those activities, you design the tools they use, the, the, and you design the overall process. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's um, it's a bit of a broader view on on how to shape the way people learn. Often learning is focused on. Uh, for instance, creating uh, uh, learning aids, learning materials, and structuring them uh, well. But that leaves out the, um, uh, let's say, how we normally experience things in life. You know, a normal experience isn't structured uh, in, a, in a, let's say, artificial way um, where uh, everything takes place in a very specific order. And, um, you know, a, a big part of what we experience is how it makes us feel, how an experience makes us feel. So yeah. what I try to do is to think about the complete experience someone goes through and to design something for that learner that enables them to, to, to reach a desired learning outcome. Okay, so, so from what, what you're saying, um, I can I can already hear uh, the thoughts of some of our listeners probably. Uh, so we work in non-formal education. A lot of the the our listeners have a background in how to design, how to prepare learning experiences, classes, um, sessions. So and, and they've studied you know Piaget, the, all the classics of pedagogics, or they've studied instructional design. So I would ask you. How does learning experience design differs, or how does it? What does it add, let's say, to these existing models? Well, um, I just I explained from my background that learning experience design uh, represents a kind of an outsider's perspective. It's a designer's approach mm -hmm. to the world of learning. So you're coming from the outside into the world of learning. So that's already a big difference. If you um, um, know about uh, about about uh, instructional design principles. Um, that's 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 great, but you 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 are you don't have a creative professional background, and that's so. If you well, let me explain it this way: Why do people come to me as a learning experience designer instead of maybe going to uh, an instructional designer or other professional? Um, our clients come to us because they need a solution that's unique, that's different, that has been done before. And that's what designers are known for. Uh, they create stuff that hasn't been done before. They have, uh, you know, uh, original ideas, are able to, to turn those ideas into uh, unique solutions and, and, and creations. So the creative process is key for learning experience design. So um, that's why... Um, generally clients come to us and, and people uh, that I train come to me because they feel that there are so many ways that um, there's so many opportunities to provide better learning experiences, but you might not know exactly how to do that. And by unlocking your creative potential and having the right, uh, having a designer's mindset and, and skill set you were able to create things you wouldn't be able to do before. Mm. I, I, I read somewhere um, from you a quote saying something in the lines of, you know, 
learning experience design brings a bit, it's almost like bringing an artist view to the world of preparing education. And I, I wanted to make a clarification because we, we use a lot of the word design and I know that this translates to many languages as drawing and, you know, sketching. Yeah. And this is not what we're talking about here necessarily. We're talking about uh, planning, preparing a, a learning session, class, moment, whatever it is, um, maybe a corner, maybe just, it's a learning experience that you are preparing. And if, if I understood well, you don't advocate a certain kind of model of learning. So you're not saying like, let's all use experiential learning or let's all use uh, this model or that model. Yeah. What you're saying is when we are preparing, let's use a process that potentiates our creativity. Did I got this right? Yeah, so so learning experience design doesn't advocate any specific type of, 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 of uh, learning strategy in that sense. So uh, for instance, uh, you know, you might use social constructivism for a learning experience, but only use that if it serves the purpose. Um, learning experience is really about the overall approach and you just refer to the artist. You know, there are two different types of design. You have design as an in instructional design, which is quite um, a structured, a methodical, systematic approach, mm -hmm. which is really great for certain uh, situations. So I'm not saying that learning experience design is better. It's just a different approach. Mm -hmm. And I work a lot with instructional designers and I learn from them and they learn from me. So um, it's not a competition. Let's just make that clear. Um, so that type of design uh, is basically a form of applied science. Mm -hmm. And so you use scientific insights to, to, to uh, create the best type of design. Uh, creative forms of design, learning experience design, is an applied form of art. So it's not, you're not really the artist, but you are using sometimes artistic principles and the creative process that artists are known for to create things. And um, so this applied form of art um, serves a clear purpose. So those are two different types of design. And, you know, depending on the situation, one might work better than the other, mm -hmm. um, but intrinsically they are not um, uh, better or worse. <laughs> yeah, I want, I want to ask a question because uh, I was thinking about what Anita said about designing and drawing and for me designing is problem solving and that that's the, the way that I see that learning experience brings the mentality is problem solving we and I also understand that the experiential part is very important the learning is is the the objective the experiential is the the main goal that the the design is the problem solving attitude and uh, people sometimes think that the um, artists are not solving problems they're solving problems uh, in their own way and the, my question is like you mentioned the creative process uh, you bring it to the uh, learning experience design in my experience almost everyone has a particular creative process because it's very personal. We can drink from this fountain and that fountain. Uh, how, how do you integrate the each person's creative process with the overall creative experience of learning? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a good point because I think um, 
you know, it, who you are as a designer has an imp, influences the, the creative process in a good way. Um, you know, um, renowned designers, you see a signature in the, their creations, whether it's in furniture or in, in graphic design. And I don't see a, a problem with um, having a certain signature in your work as a learning experience designer either, you know, there, but um, it's true that, um, you know, a creative process is a bit messy in a way. It's not really predictable. Um, so what I decided to do is to try and find a way to structure that process um, enough so that your creativity becomes focused. And so that's that that um, by having a um, kind of a universal design design process that works for any situation that already helps to bring people together on the creative uh, on the creative level. If you add to that some of the tools that I've created, like the learning experience canvas, um, which is available for free for anyone to use, by the way, um, but uh, then you are, you know, a canvas, by the way, is a re from the artistic perspective, I really like that. Um, but that's something you are looking at together at the same time you are working on together, you are creating together. And having sort of different, um, uh, maybe slightly different views on, on how you create things, how the creative process works, it's only beneficial because, you know, seeing things from different angles and having slightly different approaches only makes the ideas better. So you can kind of bounce off of each other. So having the right process and the right tools there that don't restrict you, but in fact, kind of um, boost your creativity and, 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 and focus it on finding the right solutions, because like you said, it is problem solving. Um, you know, that's what I try to offer to people so they uh, can either individually or collectively create something special, unique. And I, I like this idea. I like this idea that that we are trying to talk more about the creative part of developing learning, because I think in many settings, mostly in the formal education, in, in uh, all levels of education, including higher education, it's very focused on the content. You know, we have this content to deliver and it has to be said out loud or written in PowerPoints and it needs to be delivered and we're going to find a linear way to do it. You know, this comes first because it's simpler and then this comes after because it's a bit more complex and then this comes after. And that's it. And I like the idea that we can do so much more with that content and create experiences that become memorable, uh, impactful um, to, to, to groups. So here, here's what I'm thinking now. In my line of work, in youth work, when we design learning experiences, let's say we're designing a session on inclusion or something like that um, to young people, many times I think the process goes more or less like this. We have this title, inclusion, we know more or less our target group. Sometimes we don't really know much about them if it's an international project, for example. Um, and what I would do probably is I would maybe research a bit on what is there already like manuals on inclusion for young people. And there's a few at European, uh, at the European level. I would look into exercises that are kind of fun and active to do. I would find a way to glue them together. 
uh, and find good questions for debriefing these exercises and bang, I would kind of make a program. You know, generally speaking, of course, we still maybe on the specific goals of the activity, but specifically, this would be more or less the, let's say, our typical design process in our field. Does this differ a lot from learning experience design or not? And or how, what what would you do different uh, if you would be using learning experience design, if, if anything? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I think what you are referring to is um, a very pragmatic approach in a way that you know it's it's often it's uh, there's a time sensitive element to it where you need to quickly create something so you are kind of um copy pasting things in a very intelligent way so it's not just a matter of putting things together but you know you there's that's a quality that that uh that i don't have by the way um you know um my, my main quality and that's also how the process is going to be different is that I always start from scratch, from nothing, from an empty canvas. And that also goes back to the artistic approach where, you know, a painter has an empty canvas and anything can happen. It can turn into any painting you might imagine. And um, so I would really start by looking at how does this topic of inclusion, how does it relate to the learner? And that can be in in so many ways, but mo you know it's um, you you said you know international. You might not know a lot about the people coming in. Um, still, that's where where I would start looking. And so it's not so much about the topic in general, but really about the topic in relation to certain age group, certain nationalities. You might look at cultural differences, and. Um, let that inspire you to generate ideas on how this link between inclusion and the, these learners um, can spark some kind of uh, activities that fit perfectly within the goal you're trying to achieve. Now, about the goal, when I um, formulate a learning outcome generally at the beginning of a process because you want to understand what you are reaching for, what you, where you want to end up. A learning outcome is often defined as learning objectives. And let me explain the difference. Mm -hmm. So learning objectives are about, uh, I know about this and this, I have these skills. I, uh, uh, you know, so it's really about what you've learned. Mm -hmm. But once you've learned something, it will change you. It will impact you as a person and it will change choices you make, actions you take. How a learning experience is going to influence the learner after they completed the experience, that's what the outcome is about. And I always use a, an example of, of running a marathon mm -hmm. where you have many things to learn many objectives to be able to run a marathon. There's proper running technique, having the right materials, uh, having uh, knowing everything about nutrition and dietary needs, um, having the right attitude, you know, being aware that it is possible to run a marathon. Other people have done it. So it's all about different insights, uh, knowledge, skills and, and behavior that are going to enable you to reach that goal of running that marathon. Now, technically, you could say the learning outcome of running a marathon is being able to run uh, 42.195 kilometers within a certain time span. 
and without injuring yourself seriously. Mm -hmm. So that will be the learning outcome. But now imagine having run a marathon, crossing the finish line, having your family there or friends cheering you on. That's a memorable experience and it can change your life. You know, you've, you've overcome obstacles, you've proven to yourself what you're capable of and it can benefit you in many ways. It's a healthy lifestyle. It's about um, overcoming other obstacles, going into to a, a, a job interview and having the confidence that if you're able to run a marathon, you're able to do this. So that's a, that's the outcome of the experience. And that it, it's it's a has to do with who we are as human beings, what we feel, what we are able to do, how it changes us and how we move forward. So how is inclusion going to change? How is this topic going to change the lives of these lear of these learners and design for that? And that's what I how I would approach it. So you would start with, yeah, what is the impact that this is going to have on people and how can we work for that impact, not necessarily for the short-term objectives of this exercise, of that exercise, but with more the impact is going to have on, on the long-term. Yeah, and if you have a, a clear idea of what the impact is going to be, it might be that there are exercises out there that fit this objective, you know, that could be. Um, it's just that I... I, you know, some people have a lot of knowledge about all sorts of training forms and everything. I don't. Um, I always just create something for it. And that's not always the easiest way, but that's just uh, the way I operate. Um, so if you can mix those two, if you use a kind of a mix of an instructional design, learning experience design approach, where if there's not enough time, you just say, well, these are the best existing options. Let's use those. And if you have some time to create something specifically for that situation, do it, you know, be creative, have fun with it. And, um, you know, in the end, before we started recording, we talked about, let, let me, uh, about the many people might struggle with uh, time limitations and also maybe one in our field. Yeah. Time limitations, like resources. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I don't want to advocate an approach where people end up with like half a design and then time's up and, 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 and that's it. So having a pr pragmatic approach it is part of the solution. But I've also seen, um, now I've, I've worked on projects that there's little time, no budget, but there's just, you know, our passionate belief that we can make a change, we can do something important. And, you know, being experienced as a learning experience designer helps because you can create more effectively and quickly. Um, but I've, you know, having limited time is not necessarily a reason not to create something special. Um, it just takes practice. So mm -hmm. what I would advise to people if is to say, well, uh, usually pr pragmatic approach, but take one part of that experience that you're going to do something special. And you can, um, ideally you take maybe um, the driest uh, part of what you're trying to uh, convey or maybe some content where you think, well, this is something that sounds boring, but we need to include it anyway. Um, 
take that and turn it into something spectacular. And that's such a fun uh, and, and valuable exercise. And I've seen it happen many times when I've trained people, um, for, for example, teachers in, in um, different schools where they say, well, this is what the students struggle with most. This is what they found the, found the most dry parts of, of, the, uh, of my classes. And when you turn that into like a fun exercise or something that the students actually really enjoy, you have the biggest gain, of course, from really dry to really exciting. So um, start small and build from that. And as you become more experienced in that approach, um, you need less time to create better experiences. I have uh, one remark slash question is that I'm listening a lot that you start with the outcome, but also with the with the learner. And sometimes I feel that we have the message. I'm going to deliver this message. I don't pay really attention to what the learner already knows, mm -hmm. how he feels about it. And my question is, if you don't have all the information, because I, I see from design that the user is at the center of the experience. Mm -hmm. And how can we design a broad and specific learning experience? Yeah, especially when you work with groups, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, well, um, that's, that's complicated. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a kind of a mix of solutions you need there. Um, you know, your listeners, um, they work with uh, youth. And, you know, so they know a lot about that, about teens, about the or young people that, that they work with. And so having uh, knowledge about them is already very valuable. So I've uh, designed for uh, all ages, basically, in, in, in learners. And with every project you do, you learn more about this, this group. So you have you're, you can make some safe assumptions. And I say safe assumptions because if you just assume things that you have no clue about, that's, that's a real problem. So mm -hmm. you can make some safe assumptions. Um, if you're able to, to connect with some of the learners before you start designing, that will be great. And it, if you can have just a, a short chat of 15 minutes with a couple of learners, that's already can be very insightful. So it doesn't have to cost that much time. If sometimes I talk to people who are really close to the learners, maybe, maybe they may be slightly older or not from that country, but really this, that's the closest I can get. So that's also an opportunity to learn a bit more so you get closer to the source. Um, and then when you design something and you have uh, a reasonable, le reasonable level of knowledge of the learner, um, but you don't know everything, then you also have to design for uncertainty. So you design, uh, you leave space in your design for unexpected things to happen. Maybe, like you said, you don't know what their prior knowledge is, what their current expertise is. Well, maybe design a, a, a session where people share experience and then you know, you know what, what, they, what level they might be at. Um, and someone said to me, uh, I always come uh, understructured and overprepared. 
<laughs> and I like that one. Um, uh, and because many, you know, if you're a youth worker, you have so much experience, you have, you know, you, you can improvise, you can, you know, and that's, like I said, that's part of designing for uncertainty. So you know that questions might pop up or reactions might be there that you didn't anticipate. So uh, make sure you're, you have space to deal with that. And being uh, well prepared uh, is great, but overstructuring it doesn't leave the space for learners to deviate from, from what matters to them to, to a place where they feel like this is how it relates most to me. So that's how, how, how I would approach it. I think you have very good uh, insights there. Um, well, one thing that uh, I, I sometimes um, challenge, let's say, in, in my line of work is there's a, this common practice in youth exchanges, in trainings, in this kind of international meetings um, of young people, there's this common practice that on the first day you ask expectations from participants, you know, and they, they share with you in little post-its, in a few words, they share maybe some fears they have about it, about the experience they're, they're going to, they're just embarking on, um, or what they want to take out of it. And one of the suggestions I give is like, let's stop doing that on the first day when the space to actually dis redesign the next days is already so, so small because we are overwhelmed already. Um, because many times we don't use that information, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I dare to say. So maybe just asking that before, a little bit before, a week before, two weeks mm -hmm. before, if you can have a 30-minute Zoom session when you ask this or a little questionnaire or something where you gather this information beforehand, uh, that's already an advantage to asking it on that moment because there you really don't have much space to do much with it. Uh, and I have to say many times I don't as a practitioner, I have to admit. Well, uh, you know, it, I'm glad you you know, admit to this, you know, because we all have our pitfalls in that regard. You know, um, there are so many. Um, we get used to things quite easily, mm. where you just uh, unaware. You're not always aware of the fact that you're repeating things just because you've done them like that many times before. And um, that's where the, uh, you know, starting with an empty canvas is always refreshing because you have to start over and what you're going to create this time is going to be always going to be different from what you've created before. Um, but uh, that's a great point to, and that's, you know, when you think about an experience, the experience starts before they ar arrive. Exactly. Use that time wisely. And what I like to do is, often a more simple approach, but not less profound, is to simply ask how are people feeling as they are entering this experience? And to talk about those feelings, because, you know, if people are excited, that's great. You know, use that excitement and, and, and um, keep kind of um, feeding that excitement. But sometimes people, you know, learning is always is always kind of scary because you're doing something, you, you're trying to do something you haven't done before. You, you know, if if it's nothing new, you're not learning. Mm -hmm. um, so um, talking about what might scare people or you know positive and negative emotions is already a great relief. So you don't, even if you don't do that much with it afterwards. 
people are still able to 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 ventilate their emotions and to to so it kind of uh, takes some of the stress away maybe and um and they feel heard and understood mm-hmm. and um and every now and then during experience i ask people so how do you feel now and it's a simple question but it's really effective in understanding um where people are at um, because if you feel you know learning how you feel influences so much about how you experience and what you learn and how you learn that um, not taking that into account is really to take large part of our normal experiential um, nature, how we experience things, and only focusing on a small part that's really rational and 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 less human in that way. Human are emotional, rational beings, and that needs to be balanced. So uh, yeah, it's um, that that tends to work well for me. Can I just add something? Uh, and the other day I was listening to something. And they were talking about expectations versus aspirations. And if you ask what are your aspirations before this course, it's broader, it's open, it's more human, and it's yeah. it's not as strict as I aspire to learn more. I'm open. I expect <laughs> to learn more. If I don't learn, it's a failure. So yeah. even the use of words can change the way we look at things. Absolutely. I think that's a great example of... of how a small change can have a big impact already. When I do something new and people are like, so what are your expectations? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 and, Hope um, I don't die. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's the first one. But um, And I deal with people, sometimes people say, well, I saved up money to attend this course that you give. I am, I, it took me two years to save up the money. I am super excited to be here. I want to take in every single moment and, you know. This is my, then, my vacation time to be here, yeah. Yeah, and, and so that so their expectations, they are like, you know, I'm re- they, they're just there for every, they do want to learn as much as possible. But the next person says, yeah, my boss sent me here. And honestly, what you say about learning experience design, I don't agree with it. So those two extremes, um, that's quite difficult to difficult to manage. But it um, using the emotion that's there, where one is negative, one is positive showing that negative person how this positive energy is going to benefit them and uh is is a better solution than uh not not addressing those emotions and just thinking oh let's not worry about the 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 person who's here because their boss told them to um and hope they don't uh, speak up too much now i i spent equal time on the negative emotions and the positive emotions, not just cheering people on, but really to to understand why people um, might be uh, conflicted somewhere sometimes uh, about things. Uh, you know, because like I said, learning is hard. Uh, it's supposed to be hard, it's a challenge. And challenges always evoke emotions and dealing with them effectively is really important. Um, there's there's this um, 
there's this there's these moments in trainings, I think, and in youth exchanges that always this happens. You know, people start feeling either tired or disagreeing. And I think educators are so afraid of that moment, you know, when somebody, you know, questions you or questions the experience and is like, no, I'm not happy, cheerful, enjoying this to the fullest. Or, you know, in some other words, they express this, they express, I'm unhappy. And I think sometimes educators are really afraid of this. They're afraid of conflict. They're afraid of people not engaging. Because I think sometimes maybe we take it personal in a way. We think it says something about ourselves as as professionals, as educators, and and not about the experience. But like you say, embracing this, accepting it, recognizing that not everybody has to agree. That's okay. Uh, not everybody has to feel great about this. That's okay. It's part of the process and giving them space to feel this way and find their ways to cope with it and offer them, if possible, some resources to work with it. I think that's a, a much better approach. Well, thank you. And, and you know, just like any other teacher, trainer, as I am, um, I'm scared as well sometimes. You know, I sometimes I'm faced with challenges where I go into a new different organization I don't know much about and I need to, you know, train people that might not be welcoming my ideas that much. Um, or question my authority or my expertise or whatever they use. You know, and um, so that's also part of the experience, you know, addressing those emotions as well and having a certain vulnerability. Uh, and well, I always say, well, a learning experience needs to be needs to be authentic. And if you are kind of hiding your own emotions from the rest of the group and you're asking them to share their emotions, that's not going to work. And being open about um, your own fears can be really uh, disarming and and inviting for people to uh, you know you want to lead by example. Yeah, Absolutely. And I was thinking about the the example that you gave that the person that the boss told send them to the also maybe it's their first experience where them being in a negative state it's not a problem. It's just part of the, the 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 experience, and that sometimes is enough to change the person. Okay, oh, I, I was seen and acknowledged in my non wanting to be here. Maybe I will learn something more than just this. Yeah, and and my experience so far is that from the hundreds and hundreds of people that I've trained, um, very few have stayed in a negative mindset very some have so and that's also scary to admit because you want to make everybody happy but sometimes you know what i offer to people simply isn't right for them you know it isn't going to work for and you know that's just a fact and I, that's something i can't change anything about so um as much as you try to please everyone in a way sometimes it doesn't work and that doesn't mean that your work isn't right it's just that the match isn't right exactly okay um we're running out of time at least of, uh, of uh, your time as well so i wanted to move to the well, one of the last questions and this is the question we have from our previous guest um which by the way was pavo from last year um 
and uh, and invite you then to leave a question for the next guest. So, Rui, can you read the question from Pavo? Yes. The question is, how would you use World of Warcraft in use work so that it makes a good change? Right. Yes. So, there are, first of all, uh, World of Warcraft is... Um, there are some upsides and downsides to it. You know, for some youth, they get uh, there's game addiction and everything. There are a lot of negative uh, elements to it, but the positive sides are absolutely there. So when you look at a game like World of Warcraft, um, it has huge potential to to engage learners. And first of all, play is a, is a, a very fundamental way of learning as we know from from young children and for some reason we sometimes forget that it is still a great way to learn and play and playfulness doesn't mean uh that it's not serious um having a virtual environment like world of warcraft means that there's a certain safety you can try stuff you can fail and you can you know uh restart and you can try again and I think that's that's a great uh, way for people to to feel safe, learn, try stuff without being afraid of doing it wrong. And in to succeed in World of Warcraft, you need certain you need to collaborate, you need to uh, strategize, you need uh, you might need leadership skills, and the social element I think can really be beneficial for for youth work where you can um, create situations that might be similar to real life, um, but you can't recreate them in real life because that would not be sensible or safe or you know or realistic. So I would use um, that uh, you know World of Warcraft to create situations that they might encounter in real life and practice with it to become better at it. Nice. Sounds no? very good. Now leave the question for the next guest. So for the next guest, um, so we all have had experiences in our lives that are memorable, that we learned important lessons from. And I would like to know from the next guest, which personal experience did you have as a teenager that taught you some really valuable lessons and, and the type of lessons that you would like to share with youth today? So that's my question for the next guest. Very nice question. <laughs> very relevant. And very user-centered. Learner-centered. <laughs> this podcast is produced by Tim Maish with the support of UMAC, University of Applied Sciences.